weeks we've been looking at the idea of being free. And so for those who have missed it, week one we looked at being caged. Um, and, and the thing is, with being caged, it's one of those things where we don't, we don't willingly enter into it. It's just where we are. It's just our reality. And we, we can be caged by so many different things. Um, fear, um, sin. We can be caged by our past. We can be caged from a lack of hope in our future. We can be caged by um, our present and maybe we, we, we're overwhelmed by, by bills and, and choices we've made and mistakes we've had and we just find ourselves in this cage and we go, this is, this is our reality. And it becomes, can so much become our reality that what we end up doing, we dress it up, we make it look good, we accept it and we go, this is, this is what it is. But the problem is, it's still a cage. We're still in prison. And so last week we talked about the one who can set us free. Um, because, again, we can try so many ways to get out of the cage, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work to, to be able to escape the bondage of, of what is really holding us back. And God understood that. God knew from the right the time Adam and Eve sinned that we were going to be in bondage and that we needed a way out. God actually made a prophecy right then at that point in time saying that there would be one coming. And again, you see him repeating this promise through Abraham and through David saying there is going to be one coming that's going to change all this. That's going to change all this. And finally we come to Jesus. Jesus, born of a virgin, who lived a life of perfection, was tempted and yet did not sin. Oh, he's going to be the one that's going to rule. He's going to be the one that's going to conquer everything. He's going to be able to make everything right. But he did it in such a way that we, we wouldn't have thought. And basically what happened, Jesus set us free by going to the cross, by giving his life and his blood, by taking our punishment. Jesus said, I'm, I've, I've given you the ability to be set free, which is what I want to look at today, this idea of being set free. The fact that we are caged and the fact that Jesus says, I can set you free, does not equate to freedom automatically. Now, what I mean by that is that we can acknowledge that Jesus will give us freedom from the middle of the cage, and then we can stay there. We can live there. We can sort of, we can accept the good news. Oh, Jesus is there to help me. Great. Thanks, Jesus. And then we, we, we set up our lounge chair in the cage and go, this is, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay in prison. And so there is some movement required on our part to actually to move towards the freedom that Jesus has given to us for free. Jesus has said, I've provided, I've provided freedom for you, but you do need to walk into that. Um, Galatians 5.1 said, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. We would have seen it in, in the passage that was read earlier, that we are no longer called to be slaves of sin. And so Jesus said, I'm actually calling you out of being a slave to sin where you have no control over living for me and I'm going to set you into a life of freedom where you can live for me on purpose and fully. Jesus said, I've come. It is for freedom that I've, I've, I've actually set you free. It's not an idea of freedom. It's not a promise of freedom. It is not the sort of a, a weaker definition of freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so today, that's what I want to talk about in, in just a few moments, how we can go from that process of being in the cage to set free. And then just to set up for next week, we're going to be talking about cage-free living. 
We don't want to just move out of the cage here and walk out the door and live just outside. Maybe when we get a bit scared, we can go back to our old ways, go back into it, jump out when we want to. No, we want to live cage-free. We want to remove the cage altogether. So that's where we're going for next week. Don't worry, you don't have to listen today for that one. But the first thing I want to look at is that when we look at the cage and, and reading a lot through Romans, not just the passage that was read today, we've actually got to address the elephant in the cage. We normally say the elephant in the room, but we're talking about a cage. So the elephant in the cage. And the problem with that is it's our sin. Our sin is smack bang in front of God. Uh, and again, we, 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 we do a lot of stuff with this. Um, and I know I've had multiple conversations over the years about sin. It's not a nice word. Some of us as Christians, we don't even like to talk about sin with other people because we don't like pointing to the things that they may do wrong. Um, but for all of us, like most of us can say, uh, like anyone here want to sort of go that they're, they're perfect? No one? So I'm quite, I'm quite comfortable and honest saying that you are all sinners. So that the, the opposite is true. If we're not perfect, we are sinners. And so that's where we find ourselves. And most people are really quickly to agree with the fact that we are not perfect. Just don't like the fact someone actually calls us a sinner or that we have sin in our life and sort of poking that spot. It's like when you've got that sore and people keep poking it and you stop doing that. I remember years ago when I was in high school, I had an ingrown toenail on this foot here. And every time it got infected, that seemed to be the time that my brothers would accidentally step on my foot. And it hurt. It just, it just, it like, it made, it like, it just go through your body and go, oh, guys. And they were, when it was not infected, it didn't seem to be a problem. When it, with our sin, it, it's very much like that. When people, when we think about it, when I'm talking about it to you, all of a sudden there's this discomfort that we feel. But it is the elephant in the cage. We can't move around it. We can't be set free unless we talk about sin. Um, and Romans 6.2 it says, uh, says this, Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Uh, Paul, uh, Paul sort of says before this verse, Should we go on sinning so should we can prove God's grace is more? It sounds like, a, a, like some of us might be quite comfortable. Like, God, I sin so that you look so good. Like, it, sounds, it sounds almost acceptable. But that's not, again, we're not living in freedom doing that. God will look good no matter what we do, but God has actually come, as I said before, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. It's not the fact that God did not set us sort of half free so that we can make him look good more and more. God will look good no matter what you do, whether good, bad or indifferent, because God is God. But the thing is, as we talk about sin, there's two aspects of sin that we need to realise. There is a sin that we do and then the sin nature that we, we are born into. And I've had people say to me, it might have even been this week, um, I'm not sure where, I've been talking to a lot of people this week, but basically said it's not fair that when we're born we're called sinners. And then this is, I think this is a comment I made, is that you don't have to teach someone to do the wrong thing. You do not have to teach your kids to do the wrong thing. You do have to teach them how to do the right thing. Because when we are born, we are born basically with the stain of Adam upon us. When Adam sinned, all of a sudden, every generation from him inherited this same sort of, sort of leaning towards sin. And that's called our sin nature. And with that, basically what happens is that 
Um, and this is, a, this is a, one of the theological terms I learnt my first year of Bible college. And it sounds really bad. It's called total depravity. So basically what it says is that you are all totally, totally depraved. Now when we hear depraved, basically we think, oh, those filthy, horrible people that do horrible things in the world. That's not what it means theologically. So let me just explain it real quickly for you. Imagine there was a straight line going down here. And it was 100% straight like... Um, all the engineers out there, 100% straight. It's going to be. But then what happened is that we come in, and so this is, this is Jesus. This is the life that Jesus wants us to live. Then we come in and we basically, all of a sudden, just a little bit, we're not quite lined up with that line. And we start walking along that line and, and our first step takes us this way and this way. Now, if I keep walking this way, am I ever going to get back there? Now, I'm basically on this path and there's nothing I can do to come back. And so... I am depraved, I'm out of line with what God wants and I, I am in that in totality. My line's not going like this and getting closer at any point in time. I am going to be constantly moving more and more away from God. And so we live in a way where we're living for self and that is our sin nature. And so Jesus came, when Jesus came and died on the cross, he, he died for two reasons. He went, I'm dying to forgive you for the sins that you have done. So when you say you're not perfect, you know the things you've done wrong. Yeah, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Some of you guys need to take your shoes off as well and count them up. But you've done all those things. God forgives you of those. But he also wanted to do a work inside of us because it is our sin nature that actually traps us in here. That's the elephant in the room. That's the elephant in the cage. And so God wants to actually transform us out of that as well and to change us from that and to save us from that. He doesn't want us to basically go every Sunday to church and say, God, I'm sorry for this. Um, here, let me just pull out my list and just say, sorry, 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 please forgive me. He doesn't want us to be doing that. He wants us to, what do we want to say at the start? It is for freedom that Christ set us free. He wants us to go into a life that is, is living free. And so basically we've got to address these two things. Now part of the way we address this, and this is where it starts getting a, a bit difficult for us because it gets a bit personal, is that we need to accept the blame. It's my fault. We don't like saying it's my fault. We actually like saying it's someone else's fault. And in fact, you, you might look around and sort of, don't, don't point any fingers right now, people, because you might go, well, it's that person's fault, this person's fault. It's, it's not my fault. Some of us even go to the point going, you know what, God, it's your fault. You made me this way. Anyone ever sort of prayed that in a loose way? That God... I'd, if you had made me this way, I wouldn't be doing these things. Or maybe it's just me. Um, anyway, the thing is, we need to accept the blame. And this, just this week, I, um, oh, I can't remember which day it was, um, our mornings at our house, because we have, um, I'm coming in here and Elizabeth's going to school and the kids are going to two different schools and Caleb's going to daycare, it can get a little nuts some mornings, a little bit sort of rushed and, and we're trying to do everything. And this week... Whatever morning it was, I basically, um, everyone got their lunch boxes on. Everyone had breakfast. Everyone was heading out the door. I grabbed Caleb, grabbed my bag and hopped in the car and I drove to daycare. And I was dropping Caleb off and just as I pulled up, I went, where's his bag? Where's his bag that I've got to take in? Now, at first, my instant response was like, oh, those kids haven't put his bag in the car. And then I went, I didn't ask him to do that. And then I was trying, I was actually, I was looking for someone to blame because I went, no matter what, I've got to drive home and get it. And it hit me very quickly, it's all my fault. I didn't get his bag. 
I didn't ask anyone else to get his bag. I don't expect Caleb to get his bag. And so it's my fault. But in that small instance, I was looking for someone else to blame. And that's basically what happens with our sin at times, is that we, you know when you sort of do something really well, you want to take the credit for it? It's opposite with our sin. We don't want to take the credit for our sin. And, and we live in a world where we believe in victims everywhere. And we, we kind of take that on with our, our sin. Like, it's not my fault for my sin. It's not my fault that I did that wrong. It's not my fault that I got angry with them. And then we even then justify our sin because of other people's sin. Oh, they were upset at me, so I got angry at them, and I did this to them, and then they did this to me, but it was all their fault. No, we've got to be responsible for our own sin. We need to accept the blame. And in so doing, what we realise, when we accept the blame, we actually we accept the fact that we are prisoners. We accept the fact that I am not free right now. And it is because of the things that I do, the things that I think, and the person that I am, that I am trapped there. That is so important in this process because we can't be set free just by like, walking out. We're trapped. We've got to acknowledge that, there, that it's there. We are prisoners and it's because of what we have done. But then here comes the good news. The good news that comes with it. And see, some of us, we don't like to get to... The reason we don't like to accept the blame, we don't want to feel down on ourselves, we don't want to sort of go, oh, woe is me, I'm a terrible person, I'm never having hope. Well, no, that's us. This is where Jesus Christ is so much different to other things. Because it, most of the time in our workplace, if we accept the blame for everything, we get fired. In our home, if we accept the blame for everything, well, then we've got to redo it or, or whatever else. In, in, in Christianity, in coming in, into the spiritual world, when we accept the blame for the things that we have done, Jesus says, I can help you in that. I know, I know exactly who you are. But in spite of that, I've come for you and I want to rescue you. And we need to receive the way of, to freedom that Jesus has brought. Again, it's not about impressing Jesus. It's not about sort of living in a way that Jesus will be more accepting of, of the bad things you do do. Uh, it, it's not living in a way where Jesus will be like, eventually he'll be happy with me. Um, at the moment, Caleb um, is, is sort of, um, he's a patience builder in our home. So thank God for, for patience and the, and the patience he brings. But I've been, again, he's only, he's only little, and so I've been communicating with him in a way that he understands. And so one of the things I've been saying to him is, like, when you do that, Caleb, I'm not happy with you and I'm not, you actually make me sad. I'm trying to keep it simple for him. But I found what he's been doing of late. He's been coming up to me, hey, Daddy, are you happy with me right now? And like, it'll be in the midst of like, we'll be walking through the shops. Are you happy with me right now? And I, yeah, I'm happy with you right now. And, but it's the way he understands it. The thing is, as he grows up, I hope he sort of understands more fully what it means. And that's what we need to do as, as, as people under Jesus. It's not about just making Jesus happy. It's about accepting what he's done for us so we can walk into the freedom he has for us. Romans 6, 5 and 7 says, Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Okay, so let's just looking at those verses. First of all, we're going to be united with him in death. That's recognising our sin and saying... We- die to that, that needs to be gone from our life. 
Um, it's not about doing better, because that's not death. That's not, that's not leaving it behind. And then it just says, we know that our old simple selves were crucified with Christ. It sounds like our sin nature was crucified with Jesus. So that sin might lose its power in our lives. God wants the power of sin to be gone in us. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer mastered by sin. We are no longer trapped by it. We're no longer under its control. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. We need to receive the way to freedom. And it all comes from Jesus. There is no other way in this world where we can find freedom except through Jesus Christ who died on a cross so that all the sins of the world would be upon him and we wouldn't have to pay for our penalty. We need to receive the way to freedom. Now, I'm just going to give you a few steps that you can walk through in this. And this can be something that you help others walk through as well. This may be not something that you're sort of impacting you today, but... It, it may be, like so I want to say, but it might be something you can walk through other people uh, through with as well. Because if people want to receive the way of freedom, first of all, they need to confess. We need to be able to sort of say, these are the things that I have done wrong. This is the person that I am. This is the situation I find myself in. I actually need help. You do not reach up and grab Jesus' hand if you say, I don't need it. I don't need any help. No thanks, Jesus. I'm an independent spiritual toddler and I don't need your help. That's sometimes how we act to Jesus. We go, I don't need it. But we do, we do need it. And that's what confession is, saying, God, I can't do this without you. This is who I am. This is all my baggage. This is all the junk that's in my life. This is how I think. This is how I feel. These are my concerns. This is everything that makes me me. And and some of it doesn't line up with what you are. I want to get rid of that and I need your help. We need to confess. We need to repent. Repentance is one of those things um, that it's not us paying God back for. Uh, in the Catholic, in the Latin Bible, when repentance got translated, it got called penance. And so when Catholics say they do penance, they actually make up to God by basically suffering in some way. I'll do this and so God will be happy with me. Repentance is not that at all. Repentance is saying, I'm going this direction and God has called me to go this direction. I'm going to say, the way I'm going is wrong, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to follow Jesus. It actually requires a change. And so if you repent and there is no change, sadly I would question your repentance. Now I don't mean like, okay, you change houses, you go into the mission field, but there needs to be a change somewhere in your life. Jesus came about to set us free and freedom will come with change. So we need to repent. We need to accept through faith what Jesus has done. And again, it is, it, it's, it's got to the point it's no longer surprising to me because it happens often enough that people go, but I'm a good Christian because of what I've done. And they can list off the things. This is, this is how often I've been to church. This is, this is like my track record. This is what I've done. This is the money I've given. These are the things like, that make me a good Christian. The only reason that we are a Christian at all is because of what Jesus has done. So the things that we brag about, the things that we boast about, is the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that we receive from Jesus Christ and the power to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. We need to accept through faith grace and mercy 
and be willing to be forgiven by Jesus Christ. Grace, mercy are gifts to us. Grace is a gift where we sort of get the rewards beyond our imagination. Mercy is saying we're not in trouble for this anymore. We are not under the pump. We are not sort of got a hammer hanging over our heads. We are no longer trapped by it. And both of those, they make forgiveness. Grace and mercy become forgiveness in our lives. And so sometimes we refuse to accept from God what he wants to give us. Sometimes we're expecting God to zap us. Some of you may have jokingly said, if you say that, God is going to zap you. And and I've even had people, sometimes I'll say stuff and they go, I'm just going to move away from you. Just in case God God decides to zap you. I don't want him to get me by mistake. But sometimes like we, we think like that, even when we're not joking, that God has got it out for me. We just sung those words, I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. That is God's grace and abundance in our life. We need to be able to accept through faith forgiveness as Jesus gave it. And in doing that, what we do, the cage door comes up and we are able to walk into freedom. We are able to walk into freedom. Ephesians 3.12 says, In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Confidence. That's what it means to be set free, to be able to sort of approach God with none of the baggage that's following you. Like For some of us, we, we, we don't like interrupting people if they're having a conversation or anything like that. But you imagine sort of interrupting and sort of going, excuse me, God, can I just come into your throne room of... Of, of awesome power and grace and, and might say maybe I'll just ring you because this place is not very welcoming to me. No, 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 we are the opposite. We actually can boldly walk into the throne room of God. We can pray, we can pour our hearts out to God, we can be who God has made us to be. Why? Because we are confident in what he has done and that he has set us free. See, once we are set free, we no longer have to worry about whether we are saved or not saved. All of a sudden, our eternity is secure in him. All of a sudden, we have a present saviour in our life every step of the way. And so no matter if you lose your job, no matter if your marriage breaks down, no matter if your kids are sick, no matter if you're just uncertain about tomorrow, God is present there with you because he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. God is the only one capable of not breaking his word. It's not in him. It's impossible for him to do. One of the few things that's impossible for God to do is to break his own promises. And that's what he's promised to us. And so as we go back to this cage, today some of you, you might be in a position where, you know what, I found myself going back into the cage. I found myself in a position where I've... I've accepted its reality again. And I don't think I'm free at the moment. In fact, when I, when I come to pray, I try and keep it short because I don't want God poking his finger into the sin that is present in my life. So I'll keep it short. Go, yeah, God, have a good day. I'll have a good day. Help me where you want and amen. Because in his presence, our lives are obvious. 
there may be some of you here who, you know what, I have actually never felt that I've left the cage at all. And you are wanting, you are wanting, you're wanting a way out. And you need to accept what Jesus has done. You need to receive the weight of freedom. You need to be able to confess and to believe and have faith in the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ and to be forgiven. God does not want us to live here. God wants us to live free. And so today, as, as we wrap up, I really challenge you, like if you are finding yourself in bondage in any way, maybe you've never been free, maybe you've never had Jesus as your saviour, I want you to work through that process. Now, if you are not sure what to do, because again, you might go, Keith, those seem like simple steps, but um, can you make it even clearer? Well, maybe you want to catch up with someone after church and to talk about that. If you're, if you're listening online, you might want to sort of give, give us a call and say, hey, what do I do to, to, to walk through that? What does it mean to confess and to repent and, and to have faith in what Jesus has done? Well, let's spend some time talking about that. Let's not live another day in bondage when Jesus has promised us freedom. It is for freedom that Jesus came to set us free. Let's live in that freedom. Lord, we want to thank you today for what you are continuing to do. I thank you that you have the ability to, um, to set us free, that you don't just sort of talk about it with us. You have made a way for us to walk into freedom. I pray that we are willing to, um, to really um, set ourselves apart and to, to, to be willing to accept what you have done. I pray for anyone who is here today who is finding themselves trapped. They are trapped by their sin. They are trapped by, by their thoughts. They're trapped by just, they're just trapped, Lord, and they want to be free. They want to accept what you have done. I pray today will be a day where they can, they can walk into um, your grace. They can walk into your mercy to know your forgiveness in their life and to accept the freedom that you desire to give them. I pray that you would move in such a way today, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen.